Welcome to the Unmade Podcast. I'm Tim Burrows. We're in the final laps of this year's radio ratings battle. The seventh, I make it seventh, ratings announcement of the year dropped a couple of hours before we recorded this. And there is nobody better qualified to help me navigate this than my former Mumbrella colleague, Vivian Kelly. And most recently, Viv was editor and content director of Radio Today, where she made the Radio Today Tonight podcast a must listen. Welcome, Viv. Hello, Tim. So um, tell me everything that's happened to you since we last spoke, leaving out no detail, no matter how small. Well, I was going to make a quip about how last time you called me uh, to a Zoom meeting, I lost uh, my job. But actually, more accurately, recently, I did see you on a Zoom for Nine's Upfront's media briefing. So whilst that's the better story, it's probably not uh, the most accurate one. Uh, Since then, I've been uh, editor and content director of Radio Today and the Music Network, uh, another job which I've found myself out of in recent weeks due to Radio Today selling to its competitor, Radio Info. So now I just have all this radio knowledge and nothing to do with it except share it with you here on Media Unmade. Which is to, 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 to our benefit, although you're not quite hanging up your podcasting boots altogether. Um, you have announced the launch of That's Entertainment, which there's a there's a trailer out there already so people can get it straight into their feeds. Yes. So uh, my current soon-to-be former uh, boss, Jake Chalinor, and I uh, have got a podcast deal with Podshape, which is the podcast operation run by former Nova Brisbane GM, Jay Walkerton. So we'll be sort of peeling back the curtain on Australia's pop culture and media industry and, you know, going behind the business of entertainment. And that comes out on Friday, the 12th of November. And do you reckon that will be for people broadly who work in the industry in some way? Is that is that who you think you'll be telling you'll be talking to? Yeah, look, we should probably have a meeting about that before we launch the podcast, shouldn't we? Who is your target audience? Key question number one. Look, it came about because the Radio Today Tonight podcast was uh, so popular within the very small niche that it served. And so when uh, we sort of lost that product due to the sale of Radio Today to Radio Info, there was just such an appetite for Jake and I to keep talking uh, nonsense and breaking stories about the entertainment sector. So I think it will be largely B2B focused in terms of television, radio, the record labels and the wider media and entertainment sector. But what we're hoping to do is also, you know, break some stories and get some talent on there to chat to that anyone really interested in what goes on behind the scenes, you know, whether it's Lisa Wilkinson and Carl Stefanovic or whatever it may be, I think there will be a bit of an angle for those sort of pop culture and entertainment diehards who might not work directly in the industry. Uh, and who you decided whether you're on Team Lisa or Team Nine when it comes to which version of, of, of her negotiation truth you choose to believe. Uh, I actually did try to get Carl Stefanovic on our launch episode uh, with the pitch that whilst I know anything Carl says will fuel book sales for Lisa, uh, it would be good just to 
hear him speak at the moment because it does feel like there's been a bit of a momentum shift in terms of the breakfast TV battle with Sunrise and Today and, you know, the sun could be rising on Today. Uh, But that was obviously declined. So I haven't really heard uh, Carl's side of the story. I think they're both playing a very interesting PR game, Lisa with bringing up, you know, ghosts of colleagues past. And then I think it's very interesting that on the flip side, there's a lot of negative stories about the project and Channel 10's ratings in the media at the moment. And I can't help but think that might be the counter Lisa narrative playing out. Um, just before we get into the um, radio ratings, which is our excuse for chatting today, um, one other thought came to mind sort of seeing a headline this week was it felt like um, during your, your time in radio today, one of the many stories you led the reporting on was the, 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 the vanishing and return and maybe vanishing and maybe return again of the ACRAs, the Commercial Radio Industry Awards, which... Um, I, I I got off a plane today to uh, to see the headline that they're gone again. Yes, look, uh, I have been accused many times, Tim, of inserting myself into stories and centering myself where I should not be the centre. But I can't help but feel that the announcement of the cancellation of the ACRAs was held back until I was no longer able to report on it and no longer had a platform on radio today. Uh, the decision was made. Uh, on the 28th of October and then the news came out sometime later. I think it's a huge disappointment for the industry as much as people rail on awards and, you know, say it's just an excuse for indulgence and excess. It's an industry that's worked really hard through a really difficult couple of years and they really wanted the ACRAs and they've just been through cancellation after cancellation, promises that it wouldn't be a virtual event, promises it would go ahead, moves into 2022 and then for it to be cancelled again. And I don't even think they're hosting a virtual ceremony. I think they're just whacking the winners up on the website, which after years of delays and false hope, I think there's a lot of frustration out there. As much as people would like to blame CRA, Commercial Radio Australia, though, people should remember that it's a board decision and the people on the board of CRA are the radio stations themselves. So I feel like a lot of frustration uh and hate is being directed at CRA when perhaps it's something that's out of their control. If your paying board members don't want it, there's not much you can do. Well, let's get into the topical stuff for this week, the radio ratings. Um, Should we start with Sydney? Yes, yes. Another thing I'm accused of is being Sydney-centric, so let's just lean into that narrative. Well, I've got to admit as well, I I mean, I always go to Sydney first, and of course, hey, you know, that's the order that... um, uh, GFK, the suppliers, also send their stuff out as well as Sydney sits there first. Um, it was a bit, a bit uneventful, wasn't it, in Sydney? Certainly in terms of, um, you know, relative positions. Yeah, I mean, Sydney gets interesting if 2GB has a huge fall and potentially loses its overall lead to KISS 1065 or if the reigning FM breakfast king and queen, Kyle and Jackie O, lose their top spot or if Today FM Breakfast has some kind of monumental fall or decline, and none of those things happened. You know, Ben Fordham is still on top, 2GB is still on top, Carl and Jackie O are still fine. Today FM Breakfast with Husey, Ed and Erin is coasting, but, you know, they were they were stable on 2.9%. So it does feel 
you know, uneventful, but that's not necessarily a bad thing because the Sydney market has had a lot of change and maybe maybe it's time that it just sort of settles down. Well, let's drill into a couple of them. One of the ones that I was looking at for was um, Wendy Harmer and Robbie Book back at the ABC, because, ABC Sydney, because they're about to wind things up. And admittedly, they only announced that they were going halfway through this survey period or even a bit deeper than that. But they hardly moved. So their, their, their share, 15.9%. Previously, it was 157 So... I was a bit surprised. I thought they'd have more of a bump as everyone tuned in for their kind of victory lap. Yeah, quite often if a departure is announced, uh, that team will then go out with record high ratings, which is always a great narrative because it looks like you were going out on a high and it sort of becomes a question of, well, were you or was that a bump because people wanted to hear the dynamic as you were leaving? They still have another survey to go, which could well be their victory lap. They might start to promote, you know, the final days of uh, Wendy Harmer and Robbie Buck on ABC Sydney Breakfast. But again, I just think it was a funny sort of, it's almost a funny book if it's stable in Sydney. And I think that's what's happened. We're opening up here. It's a very strange city to be in at the moment. Very mixed feelings about getting back out, taking the kids back to school, getting back on the roads, going back to the office. So maybe people were just a bit too distracted to care about Wendy and Robbie. Yeah, um, and I'll tell you the other thing. I found myself sort of looking at, at the Sydney numbers, and this isn't this isn't a new state of affairs for this time. But it sort of sneaked past me a bit. Is that um, in drive time, two GB no longer have the lead, and this 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 wasn't new for this time, but um, we saw Smooth FM, Byron Webb extending the drive time lead over Jim Wilson. Um, that's kind of on the commercial side of things. Um, that that must be slightly nervous making for the, the management at 2GB. I think Greg Burns, the uh, head of content at Nine Radio, uh, he's never nervous. He's always uh, live, local, news, traffic, weather, sport, uh, they're very firm in their strategy, uh, very sure on their talent. They have the benefit that overall 2GB is still well ahead of ABC. You know, it's a 15.7% share uh, compared to a 12.3% share. Ben Fordham's doing great in breakfast. So it is quite a dip to have a 19.8% share in breakfast and then a 7.4% share in drive you're really losing listeners throughout the day. And one thing that 2GB really has going for it, which actually helps its share, is time spent listening and that, you know, anecdote that people put on 2GB and they don't turn it off. They listen for hours, they listen throughout the whole day, they listen to the whole talent lineup. That's clearly not happening. So 2GB does have a bit of a problem in that late afternoon because then in the evenings it jumps back up to a 22.8% share. So people are switching off, it becomes a question of why and where are they going? And I do suspect uh, Nine Radio is having that conversation. Well, it's certainly something which isn't a problem for the sister station in Melbourne, 3AW, um, still dominant in breakfast um, with uh, uh, Ross and Russell and um, dominant in drive as well. So a pretty good trip for 3AW in Melbourne. Yeah, look, there was a lot of speculation when 3AW started absolutely taking off uh, in one of Melbourne's previous 1,000 lockdowns uh, that it wouldn't 
it couldn't last forever. Uh, it it had to come off the boil at some point, and I'm sure Nine would be thrilled to say that hasn't happened yet. Their argument is that people turned to the trusted source of Ross and Russell in Breakfast on 3AW throughout the lockdown for news, information and comfort, and once they sampled it, they wanted to stay, pandemic or no pandemic, lockdown or no lockdown. Melbourne, this book was really, really bad for sort of a lot of FM and music-based stations though. So that trend is still happening and what's not clear is if we're back to the new normal or if this is a new normal or what's happening because 3AW is flying and there are some legacy FM stations like Fox which were dominant and number one for ages that are now sitting on a pretty measly 5.5%. So it is an unusual uh, city which has a very strong relationship with radio which seems to be shifting. Yeah, Fox has really faded in breakfast, hasn't it? I'm just looking at that now. So um, they had the biggest um, share drop. So breakfast, the 5.30 till 9 slot, Fifi and Fev. Um, that saw 1.2 percentage point fall, so down to 4.7% now. Um, and, yeah, considering that was that, that was something which was always there or thereabouts, um, is... Um, it's a bit of a drop, isn't it? Yeah, look, it wasn't a great book for Southern Cross Oz Stereo in Melbourne. It was in uh, other cities, which I'm sure we'll come to. Fox in Melbourne being on a 5.5% and Triple M being on a 4%. Something that really needs to be looked at when uh, looking at these numbers is how costly are the shows versus how they're sitting on the leaderboard uh, compared to their competitors. I suspect Fox is quite an expensive show. They've got Fifi Box, a seasoned broadcaster, Brendan Favola, a former footballer, now a sort of media performer, and Nick Cody, who's a comedian who's done radio on Triple M in Brisbane before. That's not a cheap show. The Marty Sheargold show on Triple M would not be a cheap show. So to have them sitting on... Uh, 4.7 for Fox FM, which is on par with the struggling KISS 101.1, and to have uh, Triple M sitting on 3.6% in breakfast when you're paying Marty what you're paying him, that's going to be a big conversation in terms of uh, how much money is being spent and how much money is being brought in. And then um, they've got similar issues of Triple M and Drive as well. So Malloy lost 1.2 share points. So down to five point one share, which again I forget when he when he announced um, that he was finishing up. Probably wouldn't I guess probably that wouldn't have been caught this ratings period. So you'd think he'll have a little bump on the way out the door as well. Yes, so Malloy only just announced that he won't bring the show back next year, uh, and this ratings period ended at the end of October. So he wouldn't have had that curiosity and farewell bump just yet. Uh, But look, they sort of backed the Malloy show. It had been Kennedy and Malloy with Jane Kennedy for some time. She then didn't return this year. SCA's Chief Content Officer Dave Cameron said he'd absolutely back Mick's solo vision. Uh, That's lasted a year. You know, it's not clear whether he wanted to leave or whether they just pulled the plug on that show. But They did back it in for a year. It's had quite mixed results. And I just think Triple M needs a bit of a refresh across a few of the different cities. 
And then um, continuing the order that um, the results are shared with us. Brisbane, I mean, the, the only thing that really leapt at me there is that although Nova are kind of hanging on for, you know, number one in terms of station share, 97.3 really closed the gap. Yeah, so ARN, which owns 97.3 FM, has been focusing a lot on that station. It's had a really sort of up and down time. They finally got to number one breakfast a little while ago with uh, Bianca, Mike and Bob. Uh, I might have the wrong combination of names there. They've changed so many times. but it- <laughs> I, I was about to say you, you had the, the expression in your voice like you were making up. Well, well, you know, I know that Bianca Die was on there and then what they did was even though that got to number one, they switched out Bianca Die for her, for the woman who had preceded her, Robin Bailey, such is the way that that media works. So they've revived an old breakfast show. They've got a new content director there. They've really, really been focusing on getting that station back to where they can get it. And it does seem to be paying off. Brisbane is a tight radio market. You know, there's been three-way ties before. Uh, We've had B105 on top. We've had ties with 4KQ, 97.3 and Nova. Radio is very popular up there, particularly those uh, music-based stations, and it really is anyone's for the taking. Nova often dominates, but there's no guarantee. Adelaide, um, I make it there's a new FM commercial breakfast leader with, and again, it's one of these ones where when you're not in the market, you feel like you're just saying made-up names, Triple M, Rue, Dits and Laws. Um, overtaking uh, Mix 102.3, Erin and Soda. Um, perhaps first you can confirm to me that those names aren't, in fact, made up. Yes, they are correct, and I think you probably got them more right than I did with the Brisbane ones, which I uh, should have known. Uh, so Rue and Dits uh, only were recently joined by Loz, so for this ratings period it just would have been uh, Rue and Dits. Uh, it's quite a traditional sort of blokey Triple M show. You know, you think of a Triple M show, they they end up on Media Watch sometimes for doing impersonations of Asian people and prank calls. Oh, yes. Yes, I do remember that. It has been known for that style of radio, but then they've also done some incredible things with their former um, executive producer, Alice, and perhaps maybe what they realised in doing that when she left was having a female voice on that show Uh, would be good. And the really, really good thing about Loz is she's not a giggle pot. She's not someone who's just going to say, now, now, boys. She's a strong voice. She's a really good radio performer. And I think she will actually transform and evolve that show. And it seems like, you know, the signs are good. It's got a a 10.1% share in breakfast now, up 0.6. And as you say, Tim, they dethroned uh, Erin and Soda, which have had their own fair share of headlines due to lineup changes and, and uh, you know, off-air battles. So it's interesting to see that um, Triple M has overtaken them. And just generally on Adelaide, the, the thing that always sort of puzzles me a bit just in the kind of logic of it is uh, Nova Entertainment also owns an AM licence in um, 5AA. Um, not, um, does, how does that make sense in the scheme of things? 
Look, it definitely doesn't align with Nova's overall strategy of, you know, the the younger focused Nova contemporary contemporary hit sort of stations and then the smooth, easy listening, uh, older skewed stations that they have. But there's only a limited number of licences available. Nine Radio actually does the sales for 5AA. So often what happens is you'll see a screenshot of Nine's radio stations and you'll see 5AA on there and people will go down a conspiracy rabbit hole saying Nine has bought 5AA, but that's more a sales relationship. People do think that could happen and it makes much more sense for 5AA to sit with uh, Nine Radio. But I think Nova probably likes having two options, two stations in a city such as Adelaide. Uh, It's just sort of probably a shame for them that it's on the AM band. And I know that people hate it when we talk about AM versus FM, but it does actually make a difference in this instance when you're trying to sort of execute Nova's strategy and you have this random AM licence. And then as we wrap up our Metro WIP uh, Perth, anything particularly excite you about Perth? Uh, not a great trip for Mix 94.5, I guess. Yeah, look, Perth has actually been through such a year of change. SCA in particular, I think it was the 1st of December last year, they introduced Triple M to that market on 92.9. They sort of switched Mix 94.5 to be part of the HIT network, which is a bit of a confusing brand alignment, having Mix part of HIT, Uh, but it actually did pay off uh, and Mix started doing really well. Its breakfast show has been tracking well while Triple M has been sort of a bit lower, but I think that's a market that needs to stabilise because it had some really legacy uh, stations, legacy programs, and then there was this big shake-up and audiences probably for a little while were confused. They would have tuned into Mix 94.5, which previously had some Triple M shows, and suddenly they're hearing the Hit Network's music. 92.9, which had been a Hit Network station, suddenly has Basil Zemplis, the mayor of Perth, on its breakfast show. So I think now a year in, people are starting to familiarise themselves with the personalities and the stations and the music strategies, and we might start to see what people in Perth actually want to listen to which at the moment still seems to be Nova and its breakfast show Nathan Nat and Sean which just remain out in front uh, almost all the time. Well thank you for carrying me through the rating side of things because it's been about I think it's been about 48 hours or maybe a bit more since I last last saw a proper bed having now arrived uh, having arrived in the northern hemisphere Um, but I can't let you go without that teasing you for a few predictions for next year as well, um, given that you won't be doing the uh, Radio Today Tonight podcast. Um, So my question number one, Today FM, the morning crew, who will the morning crew be next year? Look, I don't know the answer to that question. I do think it's interesting that they went with a name that's uh, not specific to the talent and the personalities. It is the morning crew crew with Husey, Ed and Erin, which is Dave Hughes, Ed Cavalier and Erin Molan. But the morning crew can be anybody. It's a bit like some of Triple M's hot breakfast, big breakfast brandings. It means if somebody comes or somebody goes, like in the case of Will Anderson at Triple M Breakfast in Melbourne or Nick Cody uh, from the big breakfast in Triple M Brisbane, 
you don't have to sort of change your entire marketing strategy, your entire branding and all the collateral. That was probably a deliberate decision and a bit of a nostalgic throwback to the morning crew of days gone by. I'm I'm not sure. SCA will constantly tell you that they back this show. They can't chop and change. They've chop and changed before. It will never work. But Dave Hughes is still in Melbourne, despite us being promised that he would move to Sydney to be a Sydney local, to be a point of difference from previous programs which were broadcast out of Melbourne. So I'm I'm not sure what they'll uh, what they'll do. Uh, it's definitely something to watch. I really feel for Dave Cameron, the chief content officer, who's said, you know, they've chopped and changed before. It didn't work. So what choice do they have other than to to keep backing this program? Because the evidence is in chopping and changing doesn't work. So if they have to do that again, it's not because some of the performers they've had on that show are terrible performers. So it's got to be a bigger thing than that. Perhaps it's the music strategy, perhaps it's the branding, perhaps it's just the years and years of change after Kyle and Jackie O. But I don't think if they suddenly put someone else in, it'll become a top rating show. There's more to it than that. Yeah, I I sometimes find myself wondering it it feels like the big problem they have is the, the, the place in the market today FM is trying to occupy is just very, very competitive and the, the listeners have decided there are better options. Do you think they would ever reach the point where they give up on having it part of a five-city network and just completely rework the station licence with something entirely different? Look, there have been rumours about that and then when people say, you know, no way, you've got to look at the fact that Nova Entertainment, you know, blew up various things when it introduced Smooth. There have been failed experiments with the likes of Vega. You know, it it can happen and it does happen. It takes a really long time to stabilise though and to see if it's working. I think people are just so attached to the Today FM brand, uh, not necessarily the hit network brand and Today FM's spot within it, but I I do think that they really, really want to make two-day FM work as a station. They've sort of pulled back from, there was a really confusing time some years ago where you couldn't work out if it was two-day or if it was hit and nobody seemed to know which branding was correct. Now they really do lean into the two-day and the nostalgia of that. So I think that's their strategy, but honestly, at this point, uh, any anything could could happen because it just hasn't gotten back to that sort of stable mid level ratings. But it's it's not the only one up for grabs in terms of breakfast shows that could change next year. Fitzy and Whipper on Nova, you know, they're ten years in, their ratings are now in the fours. And if we go back to what I was talking about before. It's an expensive show because they've been in it for 10 years. Drive shows are a bit cheaper because they've got a national footprint and they can do brand integration on a larger scale. Fitzy and Whipper do some great things with brands, but it's on a smaller scale because it's a Sydney-based show that's only syndicated for a small portion of time in the evening. So that's another one that, you know, might they might look at. I don't know how Fitzy and Whipper Ooh. still feel about getting up so early after after 10 years, but uh, that would be the one more so than Today FM that I would be keeping my eye on. So that seems like you have a bit of a hunch on that one. Do they? Do, do you happen to know if they're um, where they are in the cycle of their contracts? 
Uh, I'm actually not sure where they're at in the cycle of their contracts, but I do think that the sort of Hunger Games season of uh, radio changing things uh, isn't over just yet. We've seen quite a bit of movement, whether it's, you know, the likes of Wendy and Robbie on the ABC or, you know, uh, Loz joining Triple M in Adelaide, uh, Kip leaving Nova in Brisbane. I do think there's more to come and Triple M as well. I don't, you know, we have to fill the void of Malloy in Drive. That's a really big, really prominent, really important show. Who's going to take that spot? Whoever fills that spot in is likely to leave a void somewhere else. So I think we've still got uh, the, the carousel is going to keep turning on this one for a while. And it's funny, just going back to Fitz and Whipper, a few times over the years I found myself thinking, how must it feel to them? Because they, you know, I remember when they came into that show and they worked so hard and they, they would show up at any industry event. You know, they were really getting the name out there, which must have been so tough when they were also getting up in the middle of the night to, to present the show as well. And to just go all that time and to never, ever make it to number one uh, must be so disheartening, you know, when you, you kind of give it your all and you um, you, you still don't get that. Look, this is going to sound like such an obvious statement, but I think sometimes people do forget it. Only one person or one show can be number one, you know, so not every show should or can have that aspiration. What I know they wouldn't be aiming for is the 4% they were on last survey and the 4.7% that they're on this survey they would want more than that, particularly at a time when uh, Kiss with Carl and Jackie O is still on 10.7. So, and WSFM with Jonesy and Amanda are on 7.9. It is possible for FM music based shows with talent to have higher ratings than a 4.7 at the moment. And I think after 10 years of hard work, that would be a frustrating and, and disappointing for them. Uh, It's behind the station's overall share of 5.4%, which also isn't great. You know, you want to be above your station's people 10 plus figure if you can to show, you know, look, I'm doing better than the station overall. So I I just think that um, there could be, there could be some changes because Nova wouldn't be happy with a, with a 4.7 after that much effort, that much work and that much time. Well, two more potential predictions very quickly as we wrap up. You mentioned Kyle and Jackie O a while back on the uh, Radio Today Tonight podcast. You mentioned that Duncan you mentioned that Duncan Campbell, the program director, had told you you'd made a correct prediction, but he didn't say which one. But one of the predictions he'd made was Kyle and Jackie O getting a, a live national footprint. Uh, any further thoughts on what your predict, which prediction you were correct about? I will never forgive Duncan Campbell for doing that to me on my final radio ratings uh, chats with the program directors, dangling the carrot, and then I don't get to stick around to find out what it is. Uh, I love two things: knowing people's secrets and being right. And I didn't get uh, the the fruits of either of those labors there, but. Uh, I am not sure if that's what Duncan was referring to. Uh, you know, they've put a lot of effort into 97.3 in Brisbane. I can't see them doing all that work and then catapulting Kyle and Jackie O into that breakfast slot. Kiss 101.1 with Jason Lauren continues to sort of not gain 
traction. But again, they've invested a lot of marketing in getting Lauren Phillips out there. And as a radio personality, I don't think they want to just do that for a couple of months. If anyone was the first to move on a national syndicated breakfast show, it would be Kiss. It would be Kyle and Jackie O. We all we all know that. You know, you're not going to go national with the Today FM morning crew and you're not going to go uh, national with, uh, you know, Fitzy and Whipper. But I just don't know that uh, we're there yet. And goodness me, it would give Carl Sanderlands and Jackie O so much power in that radio station at that network uh, that they would have the biggest key person risk of many media companies in Australia. And speaking of Australian radio network, their uh, parent company, HTE, here, there, and everywhere. Um, if, if an organisation is going to be involved in media mergers and takeovers and buying and selling in the coming months, it feels like HT&E is, is one of them. What's your guess? HT&E is definitely one of the more cashed up and ready to go media outlets. Their CEO, Kieran Davis, often talks about their balance sheet and their cash reserves. You know, they're not hampered by debt. Uh, they sort of always talk about that at their results and their annual general meetings, even though they had to settle quite a large tax dispute with the ATO, they still have cash because they've sold off various non-audio-based assets. You know, they got rid of AdShell, which they sold to O-Media. They closed a few publications. Most of their non-core assets they've, they've gotten rid of so that they're cashed up and focused on that audio sector. And yet, despite years and years of focusing in on that audio sector, now they seem to be talking about branching out again. Kieran's basically said that anything's on the table. Media companies of the future, he sort of said, need to be diversified. And he pointed to Nine as a great example of that. Someone with television, someone with radio and someone with tech, which was a really important thing. He talked a lot about addressable IDs and starting to eat into the digital revenue of the likes of Facebook and Google via uh, data partnerships and whatnot. Given he's pointing to the likes of Nine as the success story, I'd say he definitely wants to diversify HTE's offering, perhaps not on the scale of nine, but I think it will definitely be a player. It doesn't have all that cash for nothing. My current outlandish prediction is a three-way merger of Seven West Media, HTE, and QMS Outdoor. That is an outlandish theory. Do you think that would get past uh, the toothless tiger of the ACCC, Tim? <laughs> I feel that you might have answered the, uh, the, the the question with the way you asked the question there. Um, I mean, arguably, it would. the argument they would make is that it would create more competition for the likes of nine. The ACCC would have to look at whether it reduces competition in the market, and I, I don't think it would. Um, I think it will be more about, in that sort of conversation, A, how do you make sure it's good value for all of the shareholders, and B, um, which of the CEOs gets to be CEO in any arrangement? Because one thing we're blessed with in uh, the media industry is um, we, we, we have no shortage of CEO egos. Well, yes, that was going to be my question to you. Who would uh, win the battle of Kieran Davis and the man who's been tagged, Mr. Ambitious, uh, James Warburton, uh, the CEO of Seven West Media? Uh, look, I, I will just be interested to see uh, how that one plays out. Uh, 
HT&E definitely has uh, space to move, cash to move. Seven's been getting its debt down, but it's nowhere near as sort of uh, cashed up as, as HT&E. And, you know, you don't invest in a company for it to sit on a bunch of cash. As, as great as it is that they've got that money, HT&E will want to be getting its shareholders some big returns, making some big moves and securing its sort of diversified future. And I think we'll probably see that play out next year. Well, I think this is probably where we uh, should leave it for our uh, edition of the Unmade podcast reacting to the radio ratings. Um, um, thank you, Viv. I don't think in my current jet lag state I could have made it through on my own and also it would have been a very boring conversation as well. Um, so thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And don't forget to add Viv's new podcast, That's Entertainment, into your podcast feed feed is already out there the unmade podcast is produced with the enthusiastic support of abe's audio more soon i'm tim burrows toodle pit unmade